coffee and pie oh my and welcome to episode 26 of large popcorn this is a space where friends gather around to have elevated and comfortable discussions about all things film in the least pretentious way possible or at least we hope for those of you who don't know me i'm your host christian macias and alongside me today is communications and media studies student at wolfred laurier university concierge of all things talking heads and muppets one day he hopes to meet paddington bear this is Canadian friend, good pal, Jackson Wells. Hello. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited to get the weekend started, not looking forward to E3 stuff. I mean, I am, but like, I'm already so tired. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, f- fun fact about um, that, that little intro is lovely. It's similar to the one we used last time. They decided to change the name of my major um, this year for whatever Ooh. reason. So technically, I'm only a communication studies student now. There's no media involved, which is very dumb for a program that I'm graduating from in a year. Less than a year now. Less than a year now. <laughs> very strange. No more media at all. Cancel all media. No, I guess not. Oh, you know what? Maybe that is a good idea. I know, right? Yeah. Before we move on, I actually have a quick correction to make on the the last two episodes of Large Popcorn, the Scott Pilgrim episode and the Father. I actually accidentally got the episodes number wrong. Scott Pilgrim is episode twenty four, the Father twenty five. So this would make today twenty six. So there we have it. We're on the right track again, folks. Uh, Very good. Thank you. Moving on. Remember that each week a new episode of Large Popcorn goes live, where I and a guest talk about the latest in cinema world cinema world news, as well as anything and everything movies. If you like what you hear, please give us a sub on your favorite podcast service of choice and remember to leave a review because that does indeed help us out. If you have any questions, DM them directly to at Large Popcorn Pod and I'll get those answered. And remember that a new episode goes live every Tuesday, so we sincerely hope that you stick around. As always, all the resources and notes we discuss in today's show notes will be or in today's show will be down in the show notes below. But for now. Let's get into our first few news items of the day with our first segment called Real Roundup. Christian over in post-production. Play the, uh, play the jingle. All right, there you go. Do you hear it, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I heard it. That was a good one. Amazing. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you got a chance to look at uh, some of this stuff, but I figured it'd be fun to look at am, some yeah. July release dates before uh, this post. Because this will go live, I think, right before July, or right at the beginning of July. So we'll get to talk about movies in July. Perfect. So I went in uh, to this, uh, from Discussing Film, as always, and they had this page that was kind of looking ahead to all the movies of the year. So I just pretty much just copied and pasted it into, into the notes. Um, so starting with July 2nd, we've got two movies coming out that week. The Boss Baby Family oh, yeah. Business. And the Forever Purge. That's a double feature that I would love to do. But I would do it, see, you would think that you would go for like 7 p.m. Boss Baby and 9 p.m. Forever Purge. But no, the I do the opposite. I want to see that 9 p.m. Boss Baby crowd. Wow. You'd get like maybe like five people in the whole theater, Max. I know. that's And that's the best way to watch that movie. I think you're onto something, though, with that, though. Like... Mm-hmm. I, I would want to end my my note like yeah boss baby like better than i expected maybe i enjoyed yeah. i enjoyed parts of that i don't know i haven't seen the first one that's funny i've never seen it uh have you ever have you ever done a double feature in the theater yeah absolutely it's been a while what have but you seen? i mean the the first one that comes to mind is the uh double feature that was um Indiana Jones and the uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and then Iron Man right after. That's a good double feature. It's a, it's a memorable one. I also like briefly snuck into Speed Racer. I like I looked over and saw Speed Racer. It's like this movie looks rad. I want to watch nice. that. Yeah. What Oops. was your last double feature? My last double feature was um, oh I can't even remember the name of it. The Way Back, which is the depressed uh, Ben Affleck basketball movie, yeah. and the Invisible Man. That was the last theaters, except for when they briefly opened in like the middle of August uh, in Canada. So I did that. But the the good double feature I did was A Quiet Place and Part One. Um, right? What was that? Ready Player One. Ready Player One. And a quiet place. 
That's so jarring, dude. Ready Player yeah, One. Okay. Yeah. What? <laughs> yep. I guess the last one I actually did do was from at home when um what dropped on the same day mm-hmm. on christmas soul dropped and then wonder woman 1984 dropped and that was that was a certainly a double feature that i did that's a double feature yeah so moving on um july 9th we've got another mcu movie black widow are you excited for for scarja yes yes i like i'll watch this movie i i've kind of felt similarly to marvel movies since or any sort of Marvel thing since Far From Home, where it's like, I'm going to watch this. I'm, I'm like in at this point, but I I don't need to like feed the hype cycle. I'll, I'll watch the movie. It'll probably be pretty good. And then I'll and then I'll move on. And then maybe hopefully there'll be a gem. Black Widow is going to be weird, though, because I don't know if theaters are going to be open in Canada at that point. Right. And I will not pay $30 to see it. So this might be a uh, a later showing for me. Or one of the, one of the ones that you, you find online. Just kidding. We should uh, pay our pay our artists. I totally kid. I kid. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I. This is the one I think of the MCU movies that come out this year that I'm least excited about. And to be honest, I'm like passively yeah. excited for these MCU stuff coming out. Like, like uh, like Loki just came out, and it's like it's already got like a four point something rating on on Letterbox, which is weird because only the first episode is out. Yeah, I was. It's strange. Yeah, but I'm excited. I'll probably go see this one in IMAX just because they're open and why not i miss it oh yeah moving on to july 16th we've got a few movies coming out that day um escape room tournament of champions which i I don't know if it's a sequel or not but like the the poster looked interesting space jam legacy can't forget that one and then gunpowder milkshake which is Mm -hmm. probably of of those three probably the one i'm most interested in is gunpowder milkshake yeah I I just I don't know if you noticed, but I, I quickly googled that and I, I saw the cast list and what was going on there and I was like, yeah, this looks cool. The cast is, I think, what sold me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Space Jam though, don't count it out. Uh, Space Jam Legacy is looking like a real Ready Player One movie, and I don't think Ready Player One is very good, but I think it was very funny to watch that movie. Um, so this will have that same effect. Let's make some predictions here. Do you think Space Jam Legacy will be better than Ready Player One? Mm, yes and i i I think that's because ready player one is kind of a in my opinion a like marred story from from the from it's like core um whereas this is i think just going to be something dumb um which i can like turn off and not be like oh we live in a society while watching it so there's a a video that came out recently of uh zendaya like voicing lola bunny and I th- yes, I saw that video as well. It was it was weird. I think whatever like audio mixing in that promo was just like off because mm-hmm. it, it, it felt like it was just like overlaid and the mixing was just didn't feel like um, Lola was part of the room. This sounds very weird to like mm. <laughs> just talking about the audio <laughs> levels of of a of a, a bunny cartoon bunny. And then the replies were like nothing but like why can't we get this Lola? And it was just like Lola Bunny from the original Space Jam. And I wa- and I watched them, Jackson. <laughs> I watched those videos. It's a good time. Great. Moving on to July 23rd, we've got uh, th- three more films coming out this week. Hotel Transylvania, Transformia, which I've seen one of the Hotel Transylvania movies. It was a good time. Like, take a. I take... saw the first one in theaters. Hotel Transylvania is one of those like random, like horny properties nowadays. Um, random what? Which is good for them. Horny properties. Yeah, you're gonna have to explain that to me. Have you, Horny. Have you not seen the Mavis? Have you not seen the Mavis TikToks? No. I don't. I don't want to do this. Uh, <laughs> Mavis is the once teenage lead of Hotel Transylvania, but now she <gasps> oh. has a husband and children. Her and people refer to her as yes, as as a certain uh, phrase that you would refer to a mother who you might find attractive. Oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Ooh. I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll have to check that out after the show. Oh, God. What is my life becoming? Moving on. Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins also comes out July 23rd, which actually seems to be fairly interesting. Uh, I think Snake Eyes is a cool character, so I may be checking this out. Um, and last is yeah. uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Old, which uh, it's always fun to go see um, an M. Night Shyamalan movie in theaters, to be honest. Like, it's just a fun experience to have, like, with a collective crowd. So, 
Yeah. If you're vaccinated, mm-hmm. maybe check out one of these movies. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully, yeah. And our last um, of July, July 30th, we've got A24's The Green Knight with Dev Patel, which I cannot wait for. The Jungle That's, Cruise this movie. This is the one. This is the one? Green Knight? Yeah, this is the one. This is the one. Yeah, out of this list. <laughs> we've got Jungle Cruise with The Rock and Emily Blunt, which apparently is not the one. Nine Days, which finally, after a year and six month delay of like getting a public release, is finally coming out. And the last uh, mm-hmm. is Still Water, which I remember s- writing that down, thinking it looked cool, but like I can't remember what that is anymore. Oh, it's a Matt Damon. It looks. Movie. Like, I, I looked at the poster. It looks like Matt Damon's boomerification uh, of cinema at this point, where he's like, now I'll start making movies for like fifty year olds to go on Tuesdays. I hate this. I hate that so much, but like, what an accurate description of what this poster is. Yeah. Wow. You nailed mm, it. This looks like my, my dad just likes to go to the movies. Like he doesn't really care what he sees. This looks like the kind of movie my dad would go see on like a Monday night when he's like on shift work. Monday night. I love it. Dude. Oh, yeah. Last movie. What's the last movie you saw with your uh, dad? That's what I saw with my dad. Oh, it's been a while because I don't. Um... Uh, in theaters, I can't remember. It's been a while. No, it's been a while. Mine has too. The last movie I saw with my dad was Hacksaw Ridge, that war movie with Andrew mm. Garfield. Yeah, and uh, that was that was a movie. That was that was a boomer movie. You know what? I think the last movie I saw with my dad uh, would have been Parasite. Right after it won the Oscar, it played in at our like local theater, and my dad was like, "Let's go check this out." And I was like, "I don't think you're gonna like this," and I don't think you really did, but. Uh, <laughs> Parasite's a really good movie. That's awesome. I love Parasite. Sorry, yeah. sorry your dad didn't enjoy it. It's okay. But The Green Knight, this is this is the one we're excited for of, of all these July movies. This is the one. Oh yeah, hundred percent. The Green Knights the Green Knight's one of the ones I've been waiting for since since last year. Um, I'm really hoping I get to see this one in theaters. Um But we will see. We will see. What if uh theaters open up August? You know? Like would you go August first? yeah oh no i would go it's just uh i'm hoping like size wise this one might not get into the on the big screen but oh we'll, yeah we'll see yeah here's open well there we have it we have gone through the release dates for july let us know what films you're excited to go see and if you're excited for none of them dang that sucks but now we're moving on to our next segment it's the director's chair we have not done this with jackson he uh has not maybe he's yes. he's heard some of this but it's the rapid fire question segment i want to learn more about this man we've got two categories here one is this or that and the second category is good Mm -hmm. or bad we're gonna go through both of them for you okay okay we're gonna start Mm -hmm. with this or that the simple premise is i gave you two options you pick which one you prefer all right you ready yes okay star wars or lord of the rings star wars yeah of course Uh, easy one Cap or Iron Man? Yeah. Oh, Cap. Absolutely. Infinity War or Endgame? Mm, good question. Uh, Infinity War. Nice. Okay. I, I, I agree. Kong or Godzilla? Mm, Kong. Well, it's been fun. <laughs> Schwarzenegger or Stallone? Mm, Stallone. Spielberg or Scorsese? Spielberg. Yes. Nolan or Tarantino? Nolan. Leonardo DiCaprio or Matt Damon? Mm, Matt Damon. Yes, of course. Mean Girls or Clueless? I haven't seen either of those movies. That's fair. Okay. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> it's been weeks, Jackson, and no one has picked Clueless, and I'm waiting for someone to finally do it. Based on my understanding of those two movies, I would probably pick Clueless, but I have not seen either of them, so I can't definitely yeah. say. Well, I'll, I'll take that anyway. anyway. Jackie mm-hmm. Chan or Bruce Lee? Bruce Lee. Han Solo or Indiana Jones? Han Solo. 
And last, Bong Joon-ho or Park Chan-wook. Bong Joon-ho. I added that one just for you. I wanted to know. Thank you. The fans wanted to know. Amazing. I think. Yeah, I think that was, that was good. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with I, some of your I takes. To, yeah, I had to take a uh, multiple choice quiz the other day uh, for one of my classes, my summer classes, and that's exactly how I did it. I just went uh, B, C, D. Just felt it. <laughs> like sure, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one I think is a bit more fun. Good or bad? I'm going to give you an option, and you tell me whether you think it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. And there's some actors thrown in here, and specifically for the actors, we're not talking about the person, uh, like the actual person, but the uh, the characters they portray. Okay. So the the acting. Okay. The, la- the last Jedi. Good. Yes. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's a tough one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Iron Man three good tron legacy good the fast and the furious fran- f- furious franchise mm, good wow tom cruise yeah mm, good shia labeouf ah uh good Keanu Reeves. Good. Wow. Scarlett Johansson. Bad. Well, we finally found we finally found one. And last but <laughs> certainly not least, our good friend Nicholas Cage. Bad. You shut if up. We have, you if, shut up. If we if we're doing the math. He's bad more than he's good. You're insane. No. Have you seen Mandy? See the problem. The see the problem with Nicolas Cage is he probably put out six movies in 2019, and one of them was Mandy. I mean, you're probably right. Uh, I I have to disagree with you, and I, I'm not gonna back that up at all. It's just it's entirely okay. subjective. No analysis. <laughs> that was fun. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That is it for Real Roundup, folks. If you missed anything, feel free to shout at us over on Twitter. And if any other big news breaks, stick around because we may just talk about it on our next episode. Now let's see what's on the marquee with today's topic of the show. Ryan Johnson's Brick. Uh, Jackson, if you'd be so kind as to read me the storyline of the movie. Yes. Of course. A detective story. A teenage loner pushes his way into the underworld of a high school crime ring to investigate the disappearance of his ex-girlfriend. What a film, man. I'm, I'm glad that after mm-hmm. years of fi- of like only watching a third of the movie, I finally got to sit down and watch it all the way through. Oh yeah, man. For the, for the uni- this is uninitiated, it. I will try watching this movie once on an Amtrak ride to San Diego. And uh, sat on the side with the sun as the sun was setting, and I just, I was so tired. I, it got me sleepy. Uh, but watching this the other day, like, it's weird. I posted about this on Letterboxd. There's not a clear point for me, or, but I, I feel it somewhere in, in the first third where I went from somewhat interested to totally invested. And once that shift happens, oh, yeah. I'm all in for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it especially as I'm sure we'll talk about it. The movie doesn't start off like easy to understand both what's going on and like what they're saying. Right. Uh, but like once you kind of can climatize yourself to to what the world and like the rules are, I think it's really easy to and a great thing to follow. Absolutely. Some little notes here on on Brick uh, for those that don't know. A 2005 film written and directed by Ryan Johnson. And I think, I think, I didn't double check. Is this his directorial debut? Yeah. That's amazing, dude. Can you imagine producing a banger like this for your first movie? Writing oh, and directing? So I envy this man. Mm-hmm. Jackson, do you, do you consider, I don't know, Brick to be like up there as far as Ryan Johnson movies for you? Because you're a Ryan Johnson fan. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of Ryan Johnson. I would say definitely. I would say this. Uh, for me, it teeters back and forth. Uh, between this and it's probably this one actually. I would say more, even more so than like the Last Jedi or or even Knives Out. Um, and not to say it, this is one of those cases where like maybe probably like some of his later work is better than this. But there's something about this that just feels so like special mm-hmm. and like personal and kind of like electric that this is just the one well i guess you kind of get that where it, it almost feels like an indie movie so in that way i can feel more ryan johnson in this even though like he certainly has like uh the elements and the style that he like sh- like this feels like like a proto movie of what would eventually be yeah. like knives out in in some ways oh yeah but yeah mm-hmm. i i certainly enjoyed it um i i talked a little bit about the first time that i tried watching it um but i want to know like where you watched this or, or how you watched it your first time yeah the first time i watched this would have been in my first year of university so three years ago now ish um and just literally just like in my dorm room on my laptop um laying on my laying on my bed there is no like real like special special story for this one mm-hmm. i just i was like oh ryan johnson i like this guy uh i kind of want to go back and see because i'd seen looper before i'd seen um the last jedi so like yeah. i wasn't like okay who is this dude now let's watch his movies i had kind of already been familiar i was like okay let's see kind of where it started and this movie was on an american netflix at the time so i'd use a vpn to find it because otherwise it's like it, it was impossible to find on the internet even to like rent in canada and so i did that and i watched it and i was like nice this is great yeah, I was not conscious of, of Ryan Johnson until The Last Jedi, even though I had seen Looper mm-hmm. beforehand. And shout out to Looper, because that movie does not get enough love. I, I really enjoy Looper. It's not perfect, but yeah. I think, I think jo- it's solid. Oh, yeah. Ryan Johnson, if you're not into sci-fi, has also directed like the three most popular, for the most part, episodes of Breaking Bad. Ozymandias? Ozymandias, The Fly, I think it's called um and then one other one i can't remember i don't know if i would call the fly one of the most popular episodes i've never watched the show so i just guessed whoa that's a big pop culture like show you're missing from your whole uh, catalog there i know that's good so jackson i want to ask you because this is in your top four for letterboxd yeah, so we kind of have talked a little bit about this one before. Yeah, what, what makes Brick so special for you? Um, I, I think what it is when watching it is I think Brick, um, maybe not for me, but more like metatextually, is like really strongly indicative of, of the time in which it was released in terms of like the early, two th- or I guess mid-2000s and kind of that like Sundance culture of like indie movies that was coming out at the time. Um, This is also when like independent filmmaking is becoming like more accessible uh, for a broad audience or not for a broad audience, for a broad like creators. So I think it's a really interesting time capsule in that way. Um, You can certainly see it in the movie um, and the way that it, it it feels like an independent film that was shot in like someone's backyard because in some ways it literally was. Um, yeah, all the scenes in the high school. And we'll we'll get into it um, a little bit, but I mean you yeah. mentioned it now, so I'll 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 bring it up now. Some of the way mm-hmm. the the camera, like I guess even I mean I don't even know what camera they were using, like with with the budget, which was I think like four hundred thousand dollars if I remember correctly, so around there somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's weird because it looks like a student film. But I don't know if that's a bad thing. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it yeah. a bad thing. If anything, I think it kind of reinforces like the setting and the tone of the movie even more. Like, I, it almost feels purposeful to me mm-hmm. in many in many ways. I don't know if yeah. you would, would agree with that. I no, yeah, I would agree, and I I think I'll also talk about that a little bit more later. Um, but I think also personally, it just feels so such like a personal film. Um, not just in terms of like Ryan Johnson, but like everyone personally, like just Gordon Levitt, you can like tell he's like really trying in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, you'd be hard pressed to find an actor who's like more like into their role than he is in this. Um, as well as I, I really love the ways that it 
film noir is like kind of like a really contested genre for me where i think a lot of it's super interesting um and like back but also like they're really a product of their time back in like the 40s and 50s where things are just like get over convoluted and confusing uh, and kind of too much um whereas uh, particularly like one of the films that this is based on which is you can see a lot of like the big sleep in this which is a movie that is famous for being incomprehensible by even its largest fans um it's interesting to see how how johnson and i think this is the beginning of what he like is as a filmmaker is someone who loves something so much and then like lovingly he doesn't recreate it but he like translates it into a different into a modern context but also uh a a different context for so for this is like the high school and he does it with looper with like looper is like a dirty sci-fi film uh, mm. i guess you're the expert on that so you could yeah, agree yeah. or disagree star wars is clearly an anomaly because he directed a star wars movie but even knives out is just like this but like a different style of pulp novel it's it's the murder mystery and i think uh johnson is so much more effective in doing this than say personally someone like quentin tarantino who i feel like is loves things too much that he like just kind of recreates it on screen which isn't as interesting for me yeah um so it's, i think it's really interesting to see a, a very well translated version of like the the film noir and in, into this context and i think it's even more uh of an adaption than something like the neo-noir films like something like nightcrawler or mm. uh chinatown i guess chinatown's about example because chinatown's very uh direct but i think it's he he seems to love it more than he's loves it like specifically rather than the aesthetics of it. Yeah, and and you mentioned it a little bit too. I I want to just briefly touch on the setting too because you were talking about mm-hmm. a little bit about that and and Looper and maybe even Knives Out. But I'm thinking about Brick and Knives Out specifically when I say this. But there's something about the setting in these two movies that almost feels like a character in and of itself as well. And it's not yeah. just the way oh, yeah. uh, the characters maneuver through that environment, but the ways we like even can start to analyze uh, the like actual environment. I'm thinking of uh, the sewer entrance, and um, I wrote down some notes about uh, the the Orange County Sun uh, playing a big part of like, and I, I I don't know what to make of it yet, and I would want to do further reading, but yeah. that sun specifically like does something to the setting. That yeah, I need to figure out. And I think that one of the reasons that this film is so, like, in conversation with Knives Out, aside from just the similarities of, like, the kind of material they're basing themselves around, is how Knives Out is a lot more clearer of a, like, cultural adaption of those stories. Those stories, those murderous stories take place, are written a lot in the 30s and 40s, and they're, like about rich people in their rich homes doing like, oh, the murder and stuff like that. Um, and that's what it very much is that, but it's also like a critique of those people at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's much clearer, like watching that, I was like, are people going to hate this? Cause it's like too political. Um, but, and you can kind of see where like those ideas are kind of flirted with here. They maybe don't reach fruition. Just, probably based on just being a young person who doesn't really get any of that stuff yet. Um, but I think it's really interesting to think of those two films together. Yeah. You could actually could probably do a really cool like essay on, on class just in these two movies alone, or even just this movie alone, to be honest. Yeah. That's certainly an interesting reading. I'd, I'd want to press further. Um, mm-hmm. We touched on it just a, a little bit ago, but it it is film noir, at least inspired by film noir. Um, and the setting of, of it being in high school, I think, is, at, at least in the beginning, it's jarring and alien. And I'm thinking of the scene where uh, Joe Gordon-Levitt's uh, character, Brendan, is talking to the vice principal. And it, and it feels... like Richard Roundtree. Yeah. <laughs> also known as Shaft, which is so random. <laughs> Dude, it's so random. And, and, like, that scene just feels so unreal and bizarre and and yet some like mm-hmm. it almost feels and i wrote it in, in my notes and a little bit in letterbox it almost feels mm-hmm. lynching in a way and and yet yeah uh, uh, the second later i'm completely buying into the world and i'm like totally invested and i, I find yeah, that it's, so it's, interesting 
it's like the 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 high school principal or vice principal in this movie is like a recast of the like police chief in like the yeah. film noir where like Brendan's like not the dirty cop but the cop who does anything to get the job done and he's like getting shoot out in the office <laughs> it's like kind of funny but it's it it just fits and I also noted it that this movie is strange in some ways because it's not even really about high school um but this yeah. scene, which is the first scene you see an adult in the movie, is 37 minutes into the uh, two-hour movie. And the only other one you see is another character's mother, which I think is also very deliberate. Yeah, I absolutely. It's very much about... I mean, I want to call them high school students, but it, it's really... It, they're not defined by mm-hmm. their status as, as student because they're really like independent from, from high school altogether in this movie. Yeah, it, it's interesting, though, because to me, in some ways, it still feels very high school, like people yeah. are getting caught up in like Brendan's doing this because his high school girlfriend like broke up with him and he's like really emo about it still, Um, as well as there's like a lot of clicks in the high school and they're like make sense in this movie. Um, And a lot of the relationships feel very high school. Um in some ways and it's very clear like you go to like the pins house and it's like mom is like giving them <laughs> juice and stuff which feels very clear to be like yeah so we're de- dealing heroin in this movie but also this guy lives in his mom's basement even even more than that like joseph gordon levitt will do something like really cool and it's like yeah this character kind of rules or he'll get like into a fight and i'll be like yeah tell him to yeah. come find me she knows why I eat lunch, and he's like eating a sandwich from like a brown bag, just like reading a book, and it's it's yeah. it's, it's funny, but like yeah. mm-hmm. I don't question it. I also I wanted to briefly just yeah. mention that you can't tell me that oh you haven't seen it, so maybe you won't know. But that scene where Laura is introduced and she's playing the piano at a party that is so that is so yeah. fucking Twin Peaks for me. <laughs> yeah, I I believe that. I also made a note of the script, which I have to say is like, it's such a tight script. I, honestly, I had to, at some point of the movie, turn on the subtitles just because it was moving mm-hmm. quickly and I wanted to like really read and, and like immerse myself into the world of, of Brick, but also because there, Ryan Johnson, like, I think wrote a lot of like jargon that like, at least that I haven't heard. That I, yeah. That, oh, for, yeah. For me, it does two things. One, I think, and I wrote it in my notes, is that it, for me, it almost distances myself, uh, the viewer from the world of Brick. That's that's one aspect. That it, 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 it like defines the film world and, and the way they talk versus the way uh, I know the real world. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's fleshing out the characters of that world, within that world, that I'm actually getting closer to the world of brick just by reading and hearing um the jargon which i I find fascinating yeah i i think a good note on this is i was just doing some like random reading on this movie while um for this uh and i was reading some like ryan johnson interviews and he's quoted as saying um brick isn't the way high school was but maybe it's a little closer to the way the high school felt and i think that that like so makes sense to me uh, because when I was in high school, I felt like I was in like this like intense drama where like, oh, no, everything is like cranked up to 11. And this movie is cranked up to 11 the entire time. I think that like I think that makes sense to me. So like maybe watching it with perspective, I'm like, oh, this is this is really like a lot for these high school kids to be like doing. But I'm like, we felt like we were doing that when we were in high school. At least I did. I was prepared to disagree with you and be like, oh, maybe high school no OC. But I guess now the more they thought about it and like some of the, the adventures, I guess my friends and I would have like outside of school. And yeah, I, I, I'm starting to, to see uh, what you mean by that. And I think I think I would agree to an extent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything we can make of like the theme of like, em- like I'm thinking of Emily's theme and the music that kind of underscores uh, oh, the movie yeah. it, that theme keeps playing, and it's the the ringing of the bottles that I wrote down. And I I, I don't know if you can enlighten us at all. Yeah, 
it's so great i was actually yeah i wanted to talk about the music in this movie because it's something i've seen this like a couple times now but it wasn't really thinking about the movie till now and the music of this movie is done by nathan johnson who is the cousin of ryan johnson um i was reading that this he's when he was scoring the movie he was living in london and this movie was obviously filming in la and so they scored the movie ryan and nathan via apple iChat um Whoa. at the time so <laughs> he would like show him clips of the movie while he was editing and then nathan johnson would like write music for it which is what like makes sense nowadays but in 2005 just seems like nuts yeah um wow. and i think also to talk about the actual content of of the music i think it it's really um like naturalistic and really kinetic the way that it's a mixture of like actual instrumentation but also like you said like bottles and like household instruments and i was reading like kitchen utensils were used to like make the music um and i think that it like creep like bumps up the creepiness of some mm -hmm. scenes to like another level um where i i think just watching the movie um knowing like we talked about this using a lot of like weird jargon and like fast dialogue can maybe seem a little like too much but like when those like bottles clink together it just feels like something wrong is happening um and i think it's really effective i like the word of the use of the word kinetic i think that probably a good word to to describe that it also kind of immerses me in the world more just because it's it, it yeah. feels like more like physical objects that are like existing in the world i mean the first time we hear that that theme it's um in front of like the entrance to sewer so yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it and it is creepy but it's also like interpolating me like i i, I it's uh interesting and i, I, I want to know more and it's it almost adds to the mystique i guess yeah um there are a few more things uh that i have written down that kind of reoccur pretty often i guess one and i think it's just a, an, an homage to kind of uh the era of film noir is the use of photo photo booths <laughs> phone booths mm -hmm. which i i still don't yeah. know what to make up but i i think it's just uh just an homage to, to film noir yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I think it also adds to that feeling of like, this this kid doesn't have a cell phone. He's like, so like, he's just, he doesn't have a car. He doesn't have a cell phone. Yeah. So he's got to like walk everywhere or get driven places. And he's, it's, uh, I, I think culturally, uh, a lot of people would consider like the ability to drive in, or like a car as like a, a, a status symbol in some ways, but also... Uh, I know culturally a lot of people would consider like having a woman drive you places to be like emasculating in some ways. Um, obviously, like, I don't believe that. That's not true. But uh, I think it's tell, interesting man. that like, yeah, that Brendan is in some ways supposed to be like the like cool hero of this story. He's also a bit of a weirdo, I think. Um, but he just gets like driven around everywhere by like his like non-girlfriend in this movie. Mm. I also have to remember it's like 2005 too, so you know cell phones aren't as ubiquitous. But Brain has one. Brain yeah. has one. Brain. The Brain's great in this movie. I love him. Dude, I mean, all the characters. I I, I had to like look up some of the names afterwards because uh, I couldn't remember some of them. But like mm -hmm. every character feels fleshed out, and they all have their personalities and their quirks, and they feel like real people. Mm -hmm. If you agree, maybe. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think you do really get... I think they spend enough time in this movie establishing everyone's relationships and even within the high school element, like the like the different cliques in, in this in the school. And you kind of do really get an idea that this is an actual place where, like, people are existing. Um, even if it's pretty, like, bare in terms of, like, actual students. Like, if you were at an actual high school, you'd probably see a lot more people. Uh, it does feel like... Like, I feel like after watching this movie, especially a couple times, if you, like, gave me a board with everyone's names, like, I could also build the connections yeah. between everyone and stuff like that. That's what's so great about this movie. And you mentioned, even though there's not a lot of characters or a lot of students that you see, the few that we, we mm -hmm. do see, I think, have um, depth, enough depth to them that it feels like a fully fleshed out setting. 
And mm-hmm. to press that even further, I just feel like one of the questions even that I have while watching the brick is uh, not just like what happened to Emma or what's going on with the brick or who are these characters, but what do, what are these characters hiding? I feel like everyone that we meet in some capacity ha- is mm-hmm. hiding more than they let on. And it's the way it unfolds and we keep going back to the same characters that we um, met earlier and pushing those like kind of revelations further that it's just fun to just unravel in your head it's a mind puzzle as you watch Mm -hmm. i think it i think that's really interesting too and one of the like credits of this movie is that it, it like all makes sense uh as long as you're like paying attention and can kind of keep track like even even watching it like now for me it's been a little while i was like i remember being a little confused at the beginning and and i was still a little bit but then like by the end all the pieces come together all the like drop surprises happen at like appropriate times and they make sense um i think it's really a credit that everyone's got like three layers to them and you can kind of understand mm. all of them as they unfold I think it's really well paced too in that regard. Is that like I think with each mm-hmm. um, like act, I guess I would call it, we're learning more. Like we, we'll go back to the same characters and learn more about them, and it pushes the story forward. So in that way, it's like mm-hmm. again for a director, directorial debut, pretty good stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, how, how about that chase scene, huh? That sequence through the high school. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I definitely made note of that. This movie has like fantastic sound design uh, that like you've like is hard to see in like an indie movie like this like the footsteps running Mm -hmm. it's like no real music and then like the footsteps are used to like kind of continue this and then he takes his shoes off and that guy hits the pole (laughs) (laughs) i kind of fear for him man i'm like Like, yeah i'm like is this guy dead i i thought like this will break his neck or something but yeah the sound design that's a great scene yeah, because yeah, there's no music, and the camera will be kind of distant from the action. It'll be like around the corner or something, and then you'll hear the footsteps before you see any, anyone like approaching. Yeah, and it's specifically like Jordan, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's, um, his uh, his shoes, little his nice shoes that he wears with his jeans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. Like that. This movie is pretty obsessed with shoes. Rightfully so, dude. His shoes rock. Yeah. Oh yeah. Another thing I was reading is that johnson uh his he's like why did you put so many shoes in this and he he was like you can tell a lot about someone through through their shoes how they their their class their relationship with others how they feel about them like cleanliness as a character and he's not into feet so that's good that's good i'm okay watching uh so i don't feel like uh, a voyeur in this in this movie do we see tug's shoes at all i don't remember i think they were like some kind of sneakers yeah, I think he the, Tug looks like the kind of guy from 2005. He's probably the one who's the most in in world in this movie. <laughs> Do you think he listens to Limbiscuit? I guarantee he listens to Limbiscuit and Eminem's his favorite rapper. Ah, oh, that yeah, that I I buy that 100%. Wow. He's got the Marshall Mathers look down. <laughs> uh, for, for those that don't know who Tug is, you should look him up or watch Brick and you'll know what we mean. Oh yeah, Hug also, is played by Noah Sagan, I believe, who is in Knives Out. He plays the second detective with Lucky Stanfield. Oh, really? Yeah, I did not know that. I guess because I had never seen got Brick. like. Yeah, Ryan Johnson's got a crew. Like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is technically in all of Ryan Johnson's movies. He's got a voice cameo in Brothers Bloom. He's a stormtrooper in Last Jedi. And he has a voice cameo at the end of Knives Out. Real? What is it like? It's like a phone call or something at Knives in Knives Out. Uh, in Knives Out, I believe he is one of the cops at the end of the movie who is like arresting, um, or arrest who, who's like taking the family out of the house. Um, hmm. I think he's the one who fights with uh, Don Johnson's character. I can't remember. It's been a while. That's like that's pretty interesting. Of of all actors, it's. JGL. JGL yeah. and Ryan Johnson. I like that. There's two bros. His muse. His muse. <laughs> uh, I want to mention yeah. uh, some other aspects of the of the film. In particular, Brendan's cough mm-hmm. that uh, gets worse and worse 
um, throughout the movie. And I think it's just uh, an embodiment of his like mental state as like he's starting to get more frantic as like things start to escalate and the right like the rising climax mm-hmm. is, is happening. His cough gets worse. Um, I, I think that's that's most of yeah. what's going on there. Would you? I don't know if you can. Yeah, I, I agree that. with that, but it's also definitely just like an added like anxiety in every scene, uh, especially because the last third of this movie, like everything is really tense and he doesn't know who to trust and it's confusing. And he's also just like hacking up along the entire time. <laughs> uh, I'm going to want to give this guy like an aspirin or something. Just like, yo, just uh, sit down for like an hour. Yeah. At first, I was like, I was like, why is he like coughing so bad? And then I like remember he he kind of gets like pummeled throughout this movie. He starts off like almost being a badass because he gets into a fight that was like pretty cool with one like a oh, the fight with the fight with Brad is like yeah. so like well like executed visually. Like you could tell that like they don't have the money for like a massive fight scene, but like they use that to their advantage, and it just feels so good. After that, though, it. Brendan is just a yeah. punching bag. <laughs> yeah. He's getting like punched left and right. Oh man, I had something to say. Oh, oh, oh yeah. And then the the other thing I wanted to touch on was just like the camera movement in this movie. One just just feels more experimental and more indie than the one we get in like you know movie like movies with high budgets where the camera's like still. But I think it works yeah. here. I, I I don't know. I'd have to press that reading further but it's almost a reflection i guess of like brendan's character or the world that they're in that uh, everything is like we're getting wide shots that then push in really fast or the camera is spinning along with the fan or we're looking at the clock mm-hmm. and then the, the the focus shifts to a, a note uh, with the symbol and then as it turns midnight joseph gordon realize joseph gordon literally realizes like what that symbol means and we get like a, a fast cut to um like a, a what's in his mind of where the the setting is and then it goes back to the real world i don't know there's there's a lot to do with with yeah. the way this movie's edited and the camera movement yeah steve yedlin goat cinematographer steve yedlin what else did he do steve yedlin he's he's done all of johnson's movies um and then a couple other things i can't remember so if if you're the guy who shot the last jedi you're kind of a hero Dude, that oh my god, the last Jedi. When every time someone says that, I I see that like silent portion of the film, where yeah, you know what? Yeah, I see you. You know exactly what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah. Also, is the Brothers Bloom good? Yeah. Brothers Bloom is okay. It definitely is weakest movie, um, but it's fun. Mark Ruffalo's in it. Um, I can't remember who the other male lead is in the movie is. I think it's Adrian, Adrian Brody? Brody. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it's it's a fun movie. Oh, Raquel Weiss is in that movie love it um it's it's fun it's like a in some ways it's like a proto now you see me kind of thing um oh there, there's some man. good heist in that yeah <laughs> i forgot about now you see me oh yeah um it's it's a clever movie it's 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 his weakest i think i gave it i watched it last summer i think i gave it like a three and a half so that's, that's a solid. good movie yeah um but it's um it's fun we're closing up here, but I, I wanted to mention that, like, as the film was reaching its, like, highest point of the climax, I almost, like, stopped taking notes just because I was, like, yeah, totally in for, like, all the events that were unraveling. I don't want to spoil any of these, but, like, it, it, it got it got real. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, 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 it, it feels like everything's... Okay, let me let me take a step back. One of the things that I really respect with that movie is it never really winks at you throughout it. It's not like this is pretty crazy, isn't it? It like takes it a hundred percent seriously yeah. the entire time, and then you're like rewarded for like following it on that path because at the end it like does get really serious and really tense, uh, and like shit hits the fan. I want to give a sh- special shout out to the sign design, si- sound design of that movie. Uh, without spoiling anything, there's a scene where these characters characters are in a basement, which is just an absurd basement, by the way. Like the design of that is insane. <laughs> it's such, <laughs> that's the, the the basement is like at, like if you had if you were ever went to your grandparents' house in the mid two thousands, this is what this basement looked like. 
Yeah. Especially like the wood paneling. I can almost smell that oh, basement, yeah. by the way. Oh, oh, 100%. But there's there... no windows, you know, yeah. they're just sitting in there. <laughs> but there's a scene where like the, the characters are obviously in the basement and there's action going on upstairs. Um, <sighs> and it, the, like, you don't see the action, but you hear it. And the sound design is so well because it sounds, and I was watching with headphones, by the way, but it sounded like stuff was happening mm-hmm. like actually upstairs in, in my own presence. And you're getting these like close-up reactions of all the characters in the basement, like looking up and reacting to what's going on upstairs. Such a tense yeah. moment that was done so well. Yeah, talk about like a boiling point in a movie where like it's just like the entire time and then it finally pops and mm. it really pops. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the last the last couple of shots in this movie in in that basement are some of the best uh, in the entire movie. And then it kind of once it reaches denouement, it's it's kind of back to it. But like the that final climax in, in the in the basement is is something. There's also a lot of gorgeous shots throughout. Like there are scenes when Joseph Gordon-Levitt mm-hmm. is reflecting in the passenger seat of the car with like a, a Orange County sunset. Uh, the beach scene in particular yeah. is just beautiful. And we get like pin mm-hmm. which is like i won't spoil who pin is but pin. like he go ahead go ahead go ahead. yeah the, the pin he's got so he's got good costuming is what i'll say dude <laughs> okay he's, there's something wrong with uh, he can't quite walk correctly is that correct because i know he has a cane but i don't know if that was like aesthetic or if it yeah. was functional yeah there's something about him i think yeah just i talk about yeah. emo I, i'll say one note about this this beach scene is I think it's there's a line that is really out of place in the scene, but I think is really indicative of what we were talking about earlier about like the high school like dissonance, where they're just like sitting on the beach and they're talking about some like pretty serious stuff. And he looks over at Brendan and he goes, "Do you read Tolkien?" Oh yeah, <laughs> and like the pin who is kind of like the pinnacle of this empire or whatever is like. Yeah, Lord of the Rings fan, because I just finished reading, I finished reading the Two Towers, and I like really loved this book. And I was like, oh, you're still kind of like a teenager who who's enjoys reading like random fantasy novels. This was uh, almost as jarring uh, as that scene in Falcon and Winter Soldier when Bucky said he had read The Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, this, why yes. is this in here? Why is this in here? <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny too, because um, 2005, like the first two. The, the the first two Lord of the Rings movies had like come out by then, I assume, but this movie is like not in like any timeline. I just think it's funny to think about. When, when did Return of the King come out? Two thousand three. So all three of them were out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's funny. It's like you read Tolkien, and I was like, those are the biggest movies in the world at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I read it for English high school. Yeah, Ru- running out of tape here. Is there anything else? Mm-hmm. you'd like to bring up about brick that we haven't touched on yet because there, there there is a lot we could say uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to double check here um uh no uh i think tug is, is really interesting and really well acted on uh, this movie i think we didn't mention him uh enough in this movie and the the way brendan just kind of like pulls everything together um leaving Leaving a loose ends to say the very least, um, is is really really impressive. Like, just goes back to like how tight the script is on this movie. Yeah, Tug in particular is a good example here of like characters who seem one dimensional in this uh, uh, movie actually are like way more dynamic than than lead on, and like everything that's mm-hmm. happening or is a reaction to like previous trauma or like some kind of. Uh, emotional yeah. state that they're in yeah tug's really well done i i think in some ways too um i don't have a flesh reading of this yet but i think tug and, and brendan actually represent a really interesting um dive into like the themes around like toxic masculinity mm. um because really brendan you you see like a flashback of him uh with his, his ex-girlfriend and he is like hundred percent like gaslighter boyfriend in this moment <laughs> and you kind of see uh and honestly like that's what drives him throughout this movie uh is his kind of obsession with this woman who um did get in over her head and did kind of 
maybe need help, but like didn't want it from him and actually didn't want to be with him. Uh, and Tug is like also kind of a victim of this, but his 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 masculinity is much more like rage filled and, and physical uh, and aggressive. And it really is his downfall in this movie. Um, that's what takes him out. And and Brendan, I don't really know if he learns anything in this movie. Mm. I don't I don't know that he, he improves. Um, and I think that's maybe one one section of this that maybe doesn't quite hit the mark for me. Um, because I, I feel like there is room there for Brendan to be like, oh, yeah, I was kind of toxic BF uh, in this movie. Um, but he doesn't kind of get that realization uh, throughout. I think if the revelations happens for the viewer, maybe it, yeah. it, it leaves room for it to happen after the fact. But I think that's kind of more of like an open-ended reading mm -hmm. rather than like objective movie, yeah. like explicitly saying so. Yeah, I what agree. And about... that's also definitely like mm -hmm. he, he is... Um, like like he he is a film noir protagonist that's that's what they are yeah, yeah yeah really so um whether that's an implicit or explicit like homage um that's the tenant one of the tenets of the genre i want to give a special shout out to dode for being a cool character we didn't even talk about so, dode yeah when you think of what I think of like orange county in the mid 2000s dode <laughs> is pretty much what i picture like he's the only realistic one really you know what's funny? If you go to San Diego like now, this is what San Diego looks like. It looks like San Clemente, That's California funny. in 2005. Just putting that out there. We've done it. We've talked about Brick. Now is the part of the show where we look at some letterbox reviews and kind of react to what others thought. Um, Actually, before I even start reading these, Jackson, what did you rate Brick on Letterbox? Is it a five-star banger for uh... you? When I rated Brick a year ago, I rated it four and a half stars, mm. um, if I remember correctly. Maybe I rated it five stars. Uh, I, it, it's a tough one for me because it is one of my favorite movies of all time, but I like recognize just by the nature of it being like maybe a bit more of an a amateurish production, like some of the pitfalls of it. Um, so it's I actively like didn't rate it when I when I rewatched it a couple days ago. Yeah. Um. But I would say it's it's a five star heart movie for me. Okay, maybe a four and a half brain movie. Sure. At least it has a heart, though, right? In your oh yeah, box. there's yeah, always yeah. a heart. Yeah, love it. That's funny. I, I you you mentioned amateurist, but like I can't. Sometimes I can't. I can't decide if it's um, just the yeah production of that movie or if it's like meant to be purposeful or or both. God, mm -hmm. fascinating movie. Ethan on Letterboxd writes uh, with five stars and a heart and in true noir fashion I had no idea what was happening after 15 minutes. I agree. It took, took me a while to uh, really settle into this movie. Oh yeah. Hunter with three stars writes, if Brick were made today, there would definitely be a character who vaped. And that is so true. I've said <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god there is! Yeah! You're right! Yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. I like to think of Brick as a precursor to Denzel. It's in my head canon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Denzel with four stars and a heart writes, six of the most comforting words in the film industry written and directed by Ryan Johnson. True words never spoken. I think Jackson would agree. Yes, uh, we were going to do this podcast recording yesterday. But he, had on, he had on his little shirt. He's a, it's a Ryan Johnson whodunit. So, I had a... the spirit lives on. Oh today. yeah, folks. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember to give us a sub to stay up to date with all our cinema thoughts here on Large Popcorn. Um, be on the lookout for next week's episode. Jackson may return uh, along with Hugo Panay for a recording of El Matriz, aka The Matrix. Uh, Jackson, hmm. folks wanted to find you anywhere. Where can people find you? Yeah, um, I'm not really doing anything um, <laughs> production-wise, um, which is a weird thing to say. No, no more content, uh, yeah. um, society. Anyways, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jackson W. Wells uh, if you want to see 
what tweets I make about stuff. Maybe video games, maybe movies. Who's to say? It's a lot of anti-gamer tweets along with uh, fleets of pictures of Kermit wearing various outfits. So if you enjoy I that love concept. I love fleets. <laughs> Dude, I want to screenshot every single fleet that you post. It's insane. <laughs> it's so good. Well, there we have it. Follow at Jackson Wells over on Twitter. And that is the end of the show. We hope you enjoyed. Until next time, in Denny, we trust.